And today, the message that we're going to be talking about is the vow of partnership, part one, is what we're going to do. We're going to do that. So first and foremost, as has already been said, said to all of you who are here today, thank you for coming out. We do know that there's supposed to be some pretty nasty weather coming for the next couple of days, but we're, we're going to be okay. God will be with us. Come on, give me an a, oh, amen or something. Uh, but... Uh, I want to thank you for coming, and especially for those of you who are here for the first, second, or third time, it just really means a lot to us that you come and check out the church, and if this is where you feel God wants you to be, we would love it. If you feel you need to go on, there's other great churches right here in central New York, not quite as great as ours, but there are some, I'm just joking, there's some great churches all over the place, and I'm, I am really very grateful. I want to get right into the message today, because uh, what I'm going to do today is this, last week... Time got away from me, and uh, I didn't even conclude point one of the three-point message that I was going to give. So what I'm going to do is this. Bear with me. I'm going to do about 10, 15 minutes on what I didn't do last week, and I'm going to go into another complete message and dealing with point number three of our four-week series, which is going to be the vow of partnership. You'll understand it as we continue to move forward. I just wanted to let you know. So let's dig into where we didn't finish last week. There are four different vows that we're digging into with this particular series. Vow number one is this. It says, I promise that God will, will be my first priority and my spouse will be number two. I promise that God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my number two. Um, some may be thinking, why would you put it in that kind of order? Why would you do something like that? And the answer to that question is, is because we always put God first in everything of our lives. Everything of our lives, God needs to be number one. He is your God, he is your savior, he is your redeemer, and he loves you desperately. And we make him to be number one, which means our wives would then, or our spouses would be number two at that particular time. Week number two, the second vow that we've been dealing with, uh, uh, it, it says this, I promise to always pursue my number two, which is what we're doing today. We're concluding this one today. Uh, 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 I promise to always pursue my number two. Um, by nature, by nature, we, we um, pursue after things that we don't have. It's just in us. We pursue after things that we, that we just don't have. By nature, we do that. Now, I shared with you a little bit about Marianne and I, and I just want to say one more time, um, when she and I went out on our first date, we're seniors in high schools. High school, we've been friends forever. We've been good friends. We knew each other very well, all of that stuff. Uh, but we went out on a date together. We went dancing, and I hate dancing. I'm the worst dancer in the world. This is as good as it gets for me. I, it's boring, you know, it's terrible. But anyhow, we did that. And she came out of the bathroom and uh, she walked right up to me and she kissed me on the lips. And all of a sudden, I think I went about six inches off the ground. My toes are going like this. And I just thought, oh my Lord, this is who I am in love with. I fell in love with her. It was that day that I fell in love with Marianne Bidwell, and my whole life began to change before my very eyes. Ooh la la, I'm on the pursuit. I'm on the pursuit to get the one who's going to be mine for the rest of my life, and that would be Marianne. You know what? Jacob, Jacob in Genesis chapter 29, he pursued after Rachel for 14 years. For 14 years, he would work in his father's field. And the Bible says, it says from, from Jacob that, that he was glad to do it because the prize that he was going to get when he was done would be Rachel. He was so in love with her. He was just so in love with her. And I believe that that's the heart of God for each and every one of us in our marriages, that God, God wants you and I to work hard, work hard for our number two. Whether you're male or female, you are to work hard for your number two. So I will pursue my number two no matter what, no matter what. So let me give some advice. 
Let me give some advice to the ladies first. If you're dating some guy and he's not pursuing you, if he's not pursuing you, let me, let me just say this to the women, uh, to the men as well. If you're dating some lovely lady and she's not pursuing you, then pursuing you with those special things that, that, uh, that are said and, and that are done to keep a fire burning within, within a relationship, if they're not pursuing you, then I'm suggesting to you today that you would reevaluate that relationship and find a man or find a woman who thinks you're worth pursuing, who would think that you're worth pursuing. And for those of us who are married, we have good intentions to continue to pursue our number two, but the reality is, the reality is, way too often, we just seem to get tired. We just seem to get worn out. We get overwhelmed. We, we want to show our spouse that we really do love them, but the truth of the matter is we don't. We get to the place where we're not pursuing them anymore. We don't prove it to them. We don't pursue after them. We just don't do those kind of things any longer that would make them feel that they're loved. So what I want to do, I want to cover three principles very quickly, three principles about uh, closing in the gap, the gap between our intentions and our actions. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that just for a moment. There are three simple Bible-based rules that's going to help you and I to always, always be pursuing our number two. Principle number one is this. When you think something good to say, say it. When you think something good to say, say it every time. Again, projections are going to be behind me if you don't have uh, any of the electronic devices to follow along. But it says here in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, but encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you would be hardened by the difficulties of sin. If you want to keep the deceitfulness of sin out of your marriage, what you can do is encourage each other every day. Just say something encouraging. Do something encouraging every single day. Do it daily. Every time you think of something good to say, say it. Just say it. So let me get to the men first and foremost. Let me, let me get to the men. Let me drive the point home with the men. Gentlemen, gentlemen, when you pursue her with words, pursue her with words of affection. Pursue her with words of affection is what you're going to do. Now, really what I want to say more than anything is this. Pursue her with, with non-sexual affection. Now, some of you guys are looking a little bit confused right now. You're not too sure what I'm trying to say. Uh, 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 what I'm saying is, is that, that you need to pursue her with non-sexual affection. Some of you are thinking, what is that? What does that mean? I, I, I don't understand it. What does that mean? It's making me a little bit nervous here right now. Well, let me say it one more time to you. Let me say it very slowly so you will understand what I'm saying. I want you to pursue her with non-sexual affection. Still confused? Well, it's, it's affection that is non-sexual, in case you don't understand. Yeah, some of the guys are just, they're going like this. I, I don't get this. I don't understand it. Uh, listen, I'm sure a lot of you know, 
I'm sure a lot of you know that a, lot, that a guy can make just about anything sexual. He, he can do that. He has a talent in that. In fact, most guys think it's a gift from God for them to be able to, to make everything sexual. He, they think that God has given this. So they will say things like this. This will happen in some of our everyday life as men. Um, you know, she will say, hey, honey, um, would you please put some gas in my car? I'll put some gas in your car. Or, or she, may, she may say, honey, would, would you just carry the laundry upstairs for me? I'll carry the laundry upstairs for you. I mean, the guy, when he does those kind of things, he thinks he's hitting a home run every time. He just thinks this is what's going to make it happen. I mean, this is just about the most wonderful thing I can do. Some of you may not believe me, but they're not perverts when they're thinking those thoughts. They're just men, and this is what men do. We think this way. It's just, it's just how, how we are. And what really gets to me is that they, they think that they're gifted by God to always take it to the next level in dealing with sex within marriage. I mean, they just believe that that's where they are. So men, what I want you to do, and I want you to say it with me this time, pursue her with, come on, non-sexual affection. And some of you guys have never heard that word in one sentence before, and now you have. Now you have. So when you, when you think something good to say, say it. And here's something that I think is really, really cool as well. I love what Groeschel says in this point that is a simple tool, practical, and very, very powerful. And he says something like this. He says that, that when you, when you uh, say, I love you, add a, the word because and change the ending every time. In other words, here's what he's saying. He was saying, okay, so you would say, I love you. I love you because you're my best friend. I, I love you because, because no one compares to you. I, I, I love you because, because you have been so faithful to me all these years. Or I, I love you because, because you always put God first. I think it's a great way to do things. I think it's something, gentlemen, especially for us men, this is not that difficult. It's not that hard to do. So think of things. When, whenever there's something that you can say, say it. And say it in a way that's going to be life-giving to her. I don't know if my wife is in the room right now. She typically isn't. She's normally out in the lobby. But if she was here right now, I would say this to her. Because this has just been heavy on my heart for the last few weeks. And that is, I love you, Marianne, because, honey... You're the one that helped me through the greatest, the greatest loss of my life two and a half years ago. I could have never done it without you. You mean everything to me. Number two, when you want something special, do it. When you want spe something special, do it every time. In James chapter four, verse 17, it says these words, it says, remember it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then do not do it. You, you, you don't do it. Now, this isn't a sinful thing. We're not talking about a sinful thing, but it's sort of to the point. If all of a sudden something comes to your mind special that you would want to do, then do it. Then do it. For example, fill her car with gas. And not the sexual way we just talked about a couple of moments ago. Just go ahead and fill her car with gas um, just to make it special for her. Maybe another thing, gentlemen, that you can do, you can give her flowers, of course, but don't give her flowers on your anniversary. Don't give her flowers on holidays. Give her flowers when she wasn't expecting it. And one of the best things you can do is to give her flowers that's going to be in a room where there's other women and let it be delivered there. And then just say, all because I love you, baby girl. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to say. 
Maybe you could give her a gift card to, pedic to get a pedicure, pedicure or a manicure. Just do it. I mean, you spent money before, you can start spending money again. Ladies, how about you? How about if you put together something special for him, like a nice dinner and a movie? Get home around 9 o'clock. Give the kids a double dose of Benadryl. <laughs> lock the bedroom door. And if you think of something special, do it. <laughs> Just do it. Number three. Number three is when you want something different, be it. When you want something different, be it. We find this in the book of Revelation chapter 2 verse 5. Remember the height from which you had fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. So we find even the scripture backs us up. If you want something different, then be it. Now, to both the husband and the wife, I'm going to say this. If you don't like what you're getting, look first at what you're giving. If you don't like what you're getting from him, from her, then I suggest that you look first at what you're giving. Instead of complaining about what you're not getting, ask yourself, what can I give to him? What can I give to her, regardless of the cost or the time that would be involved, to show my love? What are those things that I can possibly do. How about a couple of real quick things, simple things, I'm sure you do this already, but when you leave the house, kiss him or kiss her. When you come back home, kiss him or kiss her. If you go to the mall, how about if you hold hands? How about if you hold hands like you two are really in love? And sir, that for us is not a normal thing to do, but, but how about if you begin to do that? Or lastly, you want something special from her, then first do something special for her. You want something special from him, then first you do something special for him. Let it set the pace. Challenge each other in those areas of your life. Do those kind of things. Pursuing my number two. Gentlemen, uh, there was a time that you, a long time ago, maybe, I don't know, a long time ago that you did a lot of special things at any cost for her. Because you were so crazy in love with her. You wanted her forever. You need to continue to do those things. Be the husband. Be the wife your spouse is looking for. Be it. You want something different than you. Be it. And this concludes our pursuit. The vow of pursuit. So let's now get into the vow of partnership. We're now at point number three, and next week, I'm going to do a part two to this one, and it's going to be the entire message, and it's a great message. You do not want to miss next week, but here we are. I'm going to introduce this, this area of the vow of partnership, so let's get right to the video. We have another video today from our Word of Life couple who are going to share with us their perspective on the part three of our vow series. Go ahead with the video.
Come on, let's give him a round of applause. Great job. The vow of partnership. So many of us in this room have experienced separation, divorce. 50% of marriages, as you know, don't make it in America for whatever the reasons are. And what I want to do is I want to dig into a question as I go into this part here, the vow of partnership. I want to dig into a question that I believe a lot of people have asked all over the world. I believe they've asked this question. The question is this, is it even possible? Is it even possible for a man and a woman to marry and to stay deeply in love their whole life together? Is it possible? Is it possible for a man and a woman to marry and stay deeply in love their whole life together? And I know that there are some who are here in this room right now who have gone through divorce, maybe not your own divorce yet, but maybe you went through the divorce of your mom and dad. Maybe you've experienced that, and for you, it was horrible. And now, and now your marriage is struggling, and it's a lot like what mom and dad went through when you were 14 years old and experienced what you experienced. And you ask the, yourself the question, am I kidding myself? Am I kidding myself? Is, is it even possible to set your mind and your heart on someone and stay in love, happy together, is it, is it even possible? And you know, really, I think that's a fascinating question because in spite, of, in spite of what you've been through, there's something inside of you and there's something inside of me that would say, I think it's possible. I really think it's possible that something like this can happen. Not only do we think it's possible, I believe that there's some that are in this room who think it's possible for you. You're thinking that who I'm with right now, I think that this could last the rest of our lives. I think it's possible that we would stay in love for the rest of our lives. That in spite of how bad things have been for you or with others that you know and love, you still hold on to the glimmer of hope that maybe someday, some way, uh, in my current relationship or in a future relationship, I'm gonna meet that somebody and we're going to fall deeply in love with one another and we're going to stay in love and we're going to grow together, grow old together and, and we're gonna be madly in love to the very end. That's what I believe that could happen. That's what I'm looking for. 
And you know what I think? I think if your thoughts are that way in your relationship right now, I believe that that's the image of God within you. I believe that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you about that area of your life. I believe that there's something in you and something in me that comes from, that comes from God that, would, that, that, that you, would, you would love to find that special somebody where there's an intimacy level, where there is a commitment level, where there is a constant communication level that you have together that declares throughout your married life that we're going to finish this together. We're going all the way together. More than likely, more than likely, there are some who are here today who would sit back and say something like this, okay, I think it's possible, but I don't think it's probable. I don't think it could really happen. I, I mean, I, I, I think it's possible, maybe even for me, but will it happen? I hope so. I think it could, but I just don't know. And that's probably a huge number of people that would be thinking thoughts like that. But will it happen? I think so, but I just don't know. Do you know that there are around 1,500 organizations that will tell you that if you would give them your profile, a few hundred dollars, <laughs> and uh, will, they, said, they say that they will match you up with someone who has a similar profile to you. 1,500 organizations. That's a lot of organizations out there in this one vein. It's never been easier to fall in love, and, and it's never been easier to connect with a broader number of people with those kind of possibilities. But I would argue, and I would say that probably some of you are not going to agree with me. I'm going to say I believe it's also never been, it's never been more of a, of a difficult time to stay in love together, is what I believe. It's never been more difficult to stay in love together. And yet, it's what a huge majority of us people really want. Many think that it's possible, so we, we keep looking and we keep searching, hoping to find the one that we're looking for. I mean the two. Remember, we're supposed to be going for the two, not the one. So we're out there looking for that number two that we're looking for so that we could have a, a happy marriage. But I'm here to tell you, I believe that there are a couple of reasons why it's so difficult to have that happen nowadays, to stay so deeply in love with one another. Three things really quick. Number one, Part of it is, is that <clears throat> what you saw and what you experienced growing up. Part of the difficulty for you to fall in love and stay in love is because of what you've seen, what you've experienced, what you saw, and what you experienced growing up. Very few people have ever, have ever been around a strong, healthy, romantic, life-giving marriage. Most people have never had the privilege of growing up in a home where mom and dad truly love each other. They really love each other. They're committed to their marriage, and you know it's going to last the rest of their lives. Very few people get to experience that. Consequently, what is modeled and what's told to us by our culture, the law of, of, of relationship, the rules of relationship, they are all so out of whack. They are so wrong, yet that's the one that most people accept. Whatever society says, whatever the culture says, whatever the TV stars say who can't keep a marriage, whatever they tell you to do for your marriage, you know, that's who people follow instead of maybe something, just something that God himself would have to say. And all of that makes it just so impossible for us to really have that opportunity to stay in love with that person, number two, point number two. Another huge reason why it's so difficult is the family structure in America. 
This one disturbs me the most. I think this one bugs me more than anything. And that is 40% of the children born in America. I say it again, 40% of the children that are born in America will be born into homes where there is no dad. Where there is no dad. 40%. No stable male figure in their life at all. 40%. And I know right now we could all argue, and it would be a great argument, a fun argument to have, because it's true. I, I know we could argue all day long about some amazing single-parent moms that are doing a knockout job. You are, you're fabulous, you're wonderful, you care for your kids, and you're doing a great job. But I'm still going to say to you, 40% of our babies born in America today will never, will never have a meaningful relationship with their father. And those kids are going to struggle There's going to be issue in their lives. There will be a deficit in their lives. Number three. Number three is the last difficulty on our our, our society faces for strong marriages and strong families. Our culture has a very low threshold, threshold of pain relationally. Which means gone are the days of working through through all the pain and all the hard work for the sake of the marriage and for the sake of the family. Those days are just about over because we have such a low tolerance of pain. About 50% of husbands and wives, their I do's that they said before their pastor, their priest, the J-O-P, whoever it was that they spoke to, has now been changed to, I won't. I won't. And when the pain and the challenges come, guess who comes knocking on our door? All of a sudden, the TV shows, people who you may know in culture and society, they're going to begin to say things to you like, if you're not happy in your relationship, it's because you picked the wrong person. You picked the wrong person. So, hey, man, all you need to do is to just reboot, get out there, and, and, and start all over because you're going to find that person. You're going to find them. You picked poorly this time, but the next time is going to be good for you, and uh, you just need to keep on looking. You'll find that soulmate. You'll find that person. Personally, I think that's terrible advice. I don't agree with it at all. But in the midst of all of the chaos, in the midst of all of the chaos of marriage and family, Jesus speaks. Jesus speaks 2,000 years ago and gives us the foundation for an enduring relationship. Jesus gives the foundation for an enduring love relationship. A foundation for a romantic love, deeply in love. Can't wait to hear the garage door opening, knowing that you're coming home, that you're pulling in the yard right now. Kind of a relationship. And it's simple what he says. What Jesus tells us is it's simple. It's so counterintuitive. It is so not a part of the way that we normally think. So I want you to hang with me on this because I think it just may go over your head. You may not even understand it. It's so simple. It is so great. But it is a fact. And when I say these words to you, there's going to be some of you are going to sit back and say, oh my Lord, is that all that there is to this? But I'm hoping that you're going to find more of the depth of where we're going. This is so simple and it's at the same time, it's so powerful, it's so rare, it's so accessible, and it's so everyday available. John chapter 13, verse 34, which was just mentioned here just a moment ago in the video. Jesus says these words, the first part of that verse, it says, love one another. Love one another. Oh, pastor, you didn't work hard enough to get this sermon together, did you? That's too simple. No, wait a minute. 
What Jesus says, I think, could just slip over your head, just like I said a moment ago. Jesus says, he takes a word that is usually used as a noun. How many know what a noun is? Person, place, or thing, right? A noun. Jesus takes a word that is usually a noun, and then he, Jesus makes it into a verb. How many know what a verb is? It's action, right? A verb is action. Listen to what Mr. Google or Miss Google says. Uh, An action verb is a verb that expresses what the subject is doing physically or mentally. Let me say it again. Action verb is a verb that expresses what the subject is doing physically or mentally. So Jesus, the Son of God, says, love one another. It's an imperative there. It's a command. It's like Jesus is saying to his disciples, no doubt we all know what love is. Love is just something that you fall into like you do a swimming pool. You just fall into love. Jesus says, but I realize, I realize that love is a noun, he says, but I'm making it into a verb. I'm making this into a verb as well. I want you to love one another is what he says. The bottom line here with Jesus is the foundation for a long-term in-love relationship is that you make love into a verb. You're not going to forget that, are you? You make love into a verb, an action step. The foundation for staying in love is to make love into a verb as an action step. The goal is not that you're trying to recapture feelings. However, however, I'm going to tell you something that I don't want you to tell anyone else. I don't want you to tell anyone else. What I'm going to tell you here in these these four walls right here, or however many walls we have, I want you to keep it within these. You leave this in the room. Don't take this with you. Don't tell anybody what I just said, all right? So listen very carefully to what I'm going to say. The more you make love a verb, the more you will make love. Don't tell anybody I said that to you. But the more you make love a verb, the more you're going to make love. And Jesus says, thank you for that response. I couldn't believe nobody else responded. I thought people would cheer. All the husbands and wives, come on, let's cheer together. All right, thank you, Lord, come on. Wow, we have some serious problems here at Word of Life with our marriages. <laughs> the foundation of all of this is the area of that word becoming a verb. Jesus says, I want you to learn how to actively love one another. Love is something that you do. And when two people who are in love and they actually, and they actually, um, and they, act, let me just start that again. Love is something that you do. And when two people who are in love and when they actively love that verb kind, love one another, guess what it does? It rekindles. To love as an action. To be loving them. It's an action, it kindles, and it rekindles, and it enriches, and it inflames us, and it makes us better, the love part of a relationship. It makes it so much better. But you have to love one another. It's a command, love one another, but Jesus goes even deeper. In John 13, 34, he says these words. He says, "I, I want you to love one another, even as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. As I have loved you, you must also love one another. You you are to love them. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's not just a 
a noun, it's a verb. You need to, you need to love them. You need to do that. I want to close off with this. I want to close off with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul comes along and he says basically the same thing that Jesus says. But he says it in a completely different way. In fact, what Paul says, he says a dirty word here. He says a very dirty word that a lot of people just don't like to hear. But Paul says it. Go with me to, to uh, and he uses that word to help illustrate what Jesus meant when he said the word that we are to love one another. Ephesians 5.21, listen to this, here's the word, submit. Ooh, oh, that's word. I was hoping in this series he would never say that word. It's what the Bible says. It says, submit to one another out of reverence. Submit to one another out of reverence is what the scriptures declare. To su- submit to one another, Paul says, that's his part of the verse, and he says, out of reverence for Christ, and that's the Jesus part of the verse. Do you know what, what all of that means? It means something like this. It means that what, how, how you love one another, Jesus said, I want you to uh, take it to a new level, and now with what Paul says, there's like a barb in that. And the barb is, is that you are to submit to one another. Jesus just says love one another. But Paul says that you are to submit to one another. You are to have that submission. So the bottom line, the foundation, the starting point for people who are going to stay in love, there is mutual submission. Mutual submission means this. In all our relationships, honey, you're the priority. In all of our, this is mutual submission. There is this this approach in our relationship, in our marriage, in our relationship, honey, you are the one, you are the priority. It goes like this with Marianne and Randy. 45 years we've been married. For me, I say, Marianne, you're the priority. And Marianne comes up to me and she says, no, Randy, you're the priority. No, Marianne, you're the priority. And no, Randy, you're the priority. In reality, what Jesus and Paul are saying to us that the biggest conflict in this kind of a relationship right here, we're talking about this mutual submission, it, it, this, this whole thing, the worst thing is, is who's gonna go first? Who's gonna go first and say, okay, it is about me right now. I, I accept that, I, I'll, I'll do that. But it's also about you. Randy, it's about you. No, Marianne, it's, it's about you. I don't know if you've ever seen this in real action. I don't know if you've ever experienced it. But it's incredible when you do. When you see two people who love each other so much and their number one priority is you, the spouse, it changes things. It's beautiful. And that's exactly what God did. God did this for every single one of us. Jesus chose every single person on the planet And he made them to be the priority. Not himself. Jesus epitomizes mutual submission. He has made it available for us to be the recipient of all of God's grace and love and mercy. To be completely forgiven of all of our sin. To come to know God personally. And then our whole life becomes radically changed. It's happened to me, and it's happened to most of you. And it happened because of how God had stirred the hearts of people, and they themselves were working with mutual submission. We are to take our cues from our Heavenly Father who illustrated 
life in the most unselfish, amazing ways when he gave his only begotten son to die for our sin. And we take our submission cues from Jesus who submitted himself in all of that when he willingly gave up his life on the cross on our behalf. Jesus is saying to all of us who believe and who would want to believe, I don't want you to pay the price for your sins. I want to pay for it. I will die for you. In John chapter 15, verse 13, last verse, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for other friends. So the question is, is it possible? If I could have all of our team out here, I got the singers out here, our, our prayer team, come on up. Is it possible for two people to fall in love and stay in love forever? Yes, 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 positively yes. How? By making love a verb. Loving him. Loving her. By loving one another and staying in love, you have to make love to become a verb. Love her. Love him. By taking our cues from our heavenly father who gave his only begotten son to die so he would die in our place. And by taking our cues from Jesus who laid down his life for us so that we would believe. I'm going to ask you if you would please stand to your feet. We're going to sing one last final song of our worship set. I'm going to ask you to please not leave yet. We're not quite done. While we sing this song, I'm going to invite you to come here for prayer with these prayer intercessors who've been praying for the last hour, just about. Secondly, if you would like to pray with your spouse right there, grab her hands, grab his hand, and pray together while you're there. You can come here and pray if you'd like to, but I just want you to pray. Take this moment while this worship song is being done. Go ahead.